Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends contains strong references to suicide. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends? My name is Emily Ling. I'm an actress, writer, singer, codependent, returnee from rock bottom and a gratefully recovering addict. And this is the podcast where we aim to rid the shame the highs and lows and deadly blows that ultimately led us to the lessons we never knew we needed to learn, but are so grateful that we did. Some people are confused as to exactly why this podcast is called Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends? And why it is the first question that I ask my guests. My explanation is this. It's not that specific or literal. I'm not asking people why they think their social life is defunct or what has led them to be a social pariah. If you've listened to the first episode, you may remember that I mentioned that when I was at my absolute lowest following a gone wrong New Year's Eve trip on mushrooms and barreling headfirst into my nervous breakdown, a person, a person I truly believed I loved unconditionally turned to me and said, why do you think you've got no friends? you useless twat. It was the straw and completely destroyed me. What's quite funny at this juncture though is that the use of the language useless twat is actually quite funny to me now just because what a weird and lame insult to hurl at someone. Useless twat. Like, I mean, if you're going to go there, at least make a fucking effort. You all know the word I'm thinking of. I'm not going to say it because it does cross the line for some listeners. But you know what I'm talking about. But I'm one for superlatives. But at the time when it happened, that was the moment I knew that I didn't want to live anymore. And as I have said many times before, in a full force shit tip of irony, it was the subsequent suicide attempt that ultimately saved my life. So when I ask the question, why do you think you've got no friends? 
I'm not asking it literally. I'm asking about a version of that feeling that I had in the OG, why do you think you've got no friends moment? A moment that somehow seemed extraordinarily bleak or scary or confusing, what that led to and why we're ultimately glad it happened, even though in that moment it felt like death in whatever individual capacity that holds. It is exactly a year to the day when this happened. I got called a useless twat. I knew I was going to try and end my life and my entire existence went up in smoke. A lot has been lost this year. A lot of people have dropped away and I do understand this, but it's also something that I want to discuss a little. And I hope you'll forgive me here because it's something... I'm quite angry about, or at least very passionate. And I'm sure many people will disagree with me, but as they say in the fellowship, I encourage you to look for the similarities and not the differences. When someone dies by suicide, the resounding feelings in the fallout of it seem to be, of course, unimaginable grief, teamed with confusion, a lot of anger, regret, and the powerful shame of 2020 hindsight. We talk a lot about what a selfish act suicide is. As someone who was in that place, and speaking from my own perspective, I genuinely believed that I was doing everybody a favour. Even my best friend, who was one of the few people I genuinely knew would be devastated and rightfully very angry and confused, I was convinced that even he would come to see in time that it was so much better that I wasn't around and would eventually be relieved. I was incredibly unwell and had been for years. I was living with undiagnosed, crippling, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, borderline personality, addiction, ADHD, and a ton of other acronyms I won't go into, extreme depression and anxiety. I had been told to come off my pills with no explanation of how to do so, and even had members of my own family bribing me to do it. I was a barely functioning mess of a human. And I'm really not ashamed to list these things and tell you this because these are legitimate illnesses and when undiagnosed and untreated can kill you like any other illness. The difference being because these exist in the brain and manifest in things like extreme behavioral problems, self-destruction, recklessness, substance abuse, they seem like choices and therefore are laid bare for judgment by others who aren't controlled by their poor mental health. I do not believe in using it as an excuse for all bad behaviour, bad choices and destruction. In that respect, it's kind of like blaming acting like a bitch on being a Scorpio. But I have huge respect for anyone who truly combats their patterns and demons and makes changes once they are aware of why they are behaving the way they are and where these things come from. I was being controlled by illness. I had something in my brain that was dictating how I lived. And that was not my fault. 
I am fortunate enough to have been diagnosed and have been given the correct help. And if I was continuing to act like a total prick with no want to make changes and get better, that would be a different kettle of fish. But I'm not doing that. I still make mistakes. Of course I do. But I'm, fingers crossed, not constantly repeating them and I'm taking responsibility. I can tell you, categorically, no one chooses to be an addict. And it comes from a place of deep, deep pain and trauma. I have been told a lot that I shouldn't speak about what happened to me and my mental health as openly as I do. In fact, quite the opposite. I have been advised to hide it. A member of my family said to me this summer, and I quote, I was wrong for doing what I'm doing. I'm making myself unemployable and I shouldn't tell people that I've had a nervous breakdown. And to that, I say, kindly fuck off. And this is where I'm really quite angry. I have heard people powerfully shame me for my mental health struggles and speak about those they've known who have completed suicide and how they wish they could have done more in the same breath. People hide this shit because they are so ashamed because they've been told that they should be because they feel like they're wrong. It's a choice. There's no way out and there's no help. There are people who were in my life who I know had my suicide attempt worked, would have come to my funeral, would have cried and would probably have put something on their Instagram about how fucking amazing I was. I really wasn't at the time, but whatever. There would have been a lot of talk about how we should have done more. I wish I'd seen the signs, et cetera, et cetera. And I know this because I've seen it, but because I survived, those people have found it very easy to bitch and laugh and use everything that happened as a wonderful source of gossip. And it's also a great excuse for cutting me out. Anyone who has claimed to care about others' mental health and preach about how more should be done and then turned around and called someone crazy, I urge those people to back the fuck up and take several seats, my friend. You are part of the fucking problem. Being in close proximity to someone who is really struggling is very tough. God knows I understand that. But I encourage education and setting clear and healthy boundaries rather than just being cruel and spreading that gossip around more easily than melted butter. Because there are many, many people who find it far easier to point the finger and laugh than look at their own destructive actions. And I tell you, Beware anybody who takes zero responsibility. And those who demonize others for their mental health issues with zero compassion or understanding, I can guarantee those people have a deep, deep, dark, well from the ring load of issues going on within them that is just far too scary to look at because if they did, everything would come climbing out the TV and they wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Mental illness is an illness. It's literally in the title. And for some reason, so many of us still think that it's okay to assume that it's a choice. Trust me, trust me, at no point was I out in Soho and went, you know what, I might just pick up some PTSD today. If you haven't had it or haven't learned about it, experienced it, you have no fucking idea how sad and lonely and unbelievably frightening it is made exponentially worse by being called insane. 
Vive la revolution, guys. For the next time you're in a room and hear someone's mental health being discussed like it's a sitcom plot, shut that shit down. People are fucking unwell and operate from places of incredibly deep pain. Every time I am questioned as to why I speak so openly about my mental health, the more pissed off I am. Drawing a small comparison here. Endometriosis. For years, I was in incredible amounts of pain with no idea as to why. I'd spend days of the month completely crippled and crying with the sheer overwhelm of it. Then, thanks to an emergency appendectomy, I got diagnosed. Hallelujah. I could then get the appropriate treatment. Not one single person has ever told me that I should be ashamed of having a kind of gammy womb. And yet, having CPTSD is no more my fault than having endometriosis. But they are shoved into completely different categories. In fact, my overzealous growth of womb lining is given far more sympathy and understanding than the fact that my brain is literally wired differently as a result of a series of events entirely out of my control. Things that I didn't fucking understand until, much like my emergency appendectomy, I tried to kill myself. And yet, I'm still free game to be labelled nuts. It's like banding about possibly infertile as a casual insult. If I was aware of my endometriosis diagnosis and did nothing about it and blamed being an absolute nightmare on it, I can understand how that could be frustrating. If I had had my various mental health diagnoses and continued with erratic, self-destructive behaviour, yeah, that's not great. But I didn't. In fact, quite the opposite. And anyone who's stuck around can attest to that. These things are not our fault, but they are our responsibility. We spread awareness about illness by listing the symptoms and encouraging people to be vigilant. So why are we so deeply conditioned to keep the symptoms of our mental health issues to ourselves? Lack of understanding, feeling entirely alone, not knowing that things are treatable, thinking that there's no way out, that, that is how people die. Please remember that this is all my own opinion, but it's something I feel incredibly strongly about. You do not know where anyone is at with their journey, exactly what has happened to them or what they are struggling with. And everything is relative. Two people can have the exact same experience and react in completely different ways. Why? Because we're all individual. The same way I hate moussaka, but other people would choose it as their last meal. Now, I'm not game for anyone laying their own experience over anyone else's existence. Compare and despair, it's boring as fuck. And calling someone crazy... <laughs> calling someone crazy is just such a basic insult. It's on par with useless twat, and trust me, you do not want to be that person. Like, if you're gonna be an arsehole, at least get creative. You know what I'm talking about. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> please, please get in touch with your stories either at contact at whydoyouthink.com or via direct message on Instagram. You can find me at emily underscore lang underscore UK. Trust me, everything is read, even if it's not responded to. Please put survivor story either at the top or in the subject line if you'd like your story read on the podcast. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and I'll talk to you soon.